and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. See, there's a key point here. There's a key point is, unless my use of technology is clearly sinful or sin, I have freedom to use technology. But a thing happens. Oh, hold on. Hey, yeah. <laughs> a big fish. Oh, he's exaggerating. He likes to exaggerate. That Justin. <laughs> really that big? Oh, wait a minute. Am I jealous? No, I'm not jealous. Well, I heard that the last fish that he caught was not even 21 inches. It was 16 inches. A rumor? Oh, well, you know, I don't spread rumors. Rumors? How do they get started? They're started by jealous people. And they get sad and then they get mad because of something that somebody else is holding. What? Okay. Oh, hey, guys. Hold on. Sorry. I, I, better, I better put it. You guys are really important to me. I better put it on vibrate. Let's see. Okay. Now, where were we? Unless my use of technology is clearly sin, I have freedom to use technology. So here's a personal question. Because it says here, all things are lawful for me. But before this statement, there was a list of examples of things that were clearly considered sin. And if we were to go to Galatians, we would see that in chapter 5, it also says, or things like this. Oh, it's vibrating. One minute. It's my wife. She can wait. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, um, where were we? Here's a question straight out of verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. So here's a personal question for you and I. Is it profitable for me? Is it good for me, my spiritual life and my relationships? Because the iPad, the phone that I have here, can be a helpful use of technology. Of course, oh, wait a minute here. I was kind of reading the Bible. See, my Bible app is right next to ESPN, and I was checking the score, and there's the, the, the Dodgers and the Yankees are playing, and of course, Los Angeles is the city of angels. They're God's team, and they're beating New York. And so the ESPN app was right next to the Bible app, and I was kind of almost reading the Bible. Because, I mean, that would be one thing that would be really helpful to do is on my iPad and on my phone to read the Bible, right? And I've got a couple of apps on both with the Greek and the Hebrew. Do, do you, you see, I'm kind of playing with you. Kind of. Is it good for me? My sp I mean, how many people could be, oh, there's a message there. Someone left a voice message. We got that feature, you know, that it'll read your voice. Wait, okay, wait. <laughs> Just for $1.99, you could have that feature too from Verizon. Oh, wait, I'm not a commercial either. Uh, do you know that these tools can be an effective use for even having relationship, right? We want to call and text our mom on Mother's Day, uh, make sure that we're at the right place at the right time. Like I was a little late coming in this afternoon, and Justin's like, dude, where are you? Like, well, I'm supposed to be there at 4.30. No, 4 o'clock. That's probably a good thing to cue me on. Hey, dude, you're supposed to be here already. But really, I have to walk through step by step. Is this something that is profitable for me? Sure, it's lawful if it's, if it's not explicitly sin, right? But whether or not it's profitable for me now is a question I have to ask myself with the use of technology. It used to be, and I remember Pastor Ron doing a series. We did a series at Salem Heights Church probably 15 years ago, and it was called Family Online. And um, Pastor Ron, at the time in the chapel, actually had a terminal, a computer terminal up here on the platform. Do some of you remember that? And it was like a 12-inch screen, but it was like this big mammoth thing. And his whole point was, how are we using online technology? Because even 15 years ago, there was probably only a quarter of what's online right now that could be helpful to you and I. 
in so many different ways. I use online to find tasty uh, ingredients for uh, recipes. Fishing Report, of course. And of course, there are numerous Bible sites that help me to download sermons and to also um, study scripture and look at articles that we use for preparing to teach. But back then, it was not as mobile as it is today. And so the technology has already been there. You know, I'm sure that when the printing press came out, they began to print not just Bibles, but other forms of media, other books and literature. That during that generation, some would say, oh, well, that was meant to print only the Bible. And think of other works of literature that may not be Christian, but that we still do benefit from. But others would have said, well, maybe you shouldn't touch that book. The question would go back to, is this an area that is explicitly sin? And if it's not, is it lawful for me? Is it within the boundaries that God has clearly stated? And so these are the types of activities or these are the types of things you and I should be thinking about in our head. Thinking about as we interact with our spouse. Thinking about as we are navigating through the challenge of using technology with our children, our peers, and the people around us. So here's another personal question. Personal question, does my use of technology master my life? Does it master my life? Does it become something that masters me in a way that it actually draws my attention away from the living God? And once it does that, once my attention has been drawn away from the living God, it then begins to cascade itself like a waterfall to my wife, to my children, to the people around me in work, to the people around me that I should be witnessing to. What happens is, is it begins to cascade in a way that draws my attention from the living God and becomes like a master to me. So now, it would be helpful if... Um, some people around us, maybe they, sometimes they could mentor us or they could give us some feedback, right? But you know what I found? I found that I'm really sensitive feedback from Laura. Constructive criticism. So it's a good habit to get into the self-examination habit of how am I using technology in all the areas of my life. And even if it's in an area of freedom where it's within the boundaries and it's lawful for me, is it to my advantage? Is it benefiting me? Is it in some way mastering my life where I can't have it? And then if I'm doing that process, if Laura were to bring it up to me, I'll probably be much more receptive. Here's another question. Who or what is it that I serve? Because when we're looking at this portion of Scripture, he is saying, I bought each one of you with a price. And the price was Jesus Christ. And now I want you to what? Bring glory to me. I want you to serve me with this temple that is called the body. Did you hear me call it a temple? It's a temple in the scriptures because this is where the living God lives. And if this is the temple of God, then now I have to be asking myself these personal questions that are really practical questions that really goes beyond just the topic of technology right? It goes to every area of my life. How do I interact in my home with my family? How do I handle my reputation out in the business community and the activities that I participate in? All of the things that you and I could focus on. Here's another question. Who do others recognize as my master? That's a hard one. How will I ever know who others recognize as my master if I'm not in relationship in community. In our home is a good start, okay? But in community, within the body of Christ, accountable within men's and women's discipleship, most excellent way, youth ministry, if you're a student in student ministries, where you are open to your leaders and your peers to help you to understand if you and I don't see or view ourselves accurately. And there's a lot of times where I don't view myself accurately. And I rely upon 
the judgment of good people around me that have established themselves as trustworthy in my life to tell me sometimes some of the hard things, like who they recognize my master to be. So some of these questions, once again, go beyond the use of technology. This would then also include our emotions, our time, our behavior, and our relationship dynamics. If I am grumpy because I've stayed up so late playing video games the night before that I can't interact with my wife without being grumpy, I have to question if I've used technology the right way. Is it lawful for me to use technology in that way? Sure, if it's not an immoral game. But how does that affect my emotions if it becomes my midnight to 3 o'clock in the morning God? Think about that. You could say that about a lot of things. Before it was technology, it was guys working out in the garage on their cars, taking care of tasks. I get captivated by tasks. A 30-minute project of changing the brakes ends up turning into a three-hour project because it just cascades once again. And the justification, I'm going to save money, I'm going to do it myself, and the next thing you know, I get captivated with all kinds of little clicks in my truck that really don't matter. And then now I'm tired, grumpy, and I have to really examine myself and say, would this time bit have been much better use work, working with my wife, interacting with my kids, or doing a project with one of the guys that I'm discipling? Because it includes our emotions, our times, our behavior, and our relationship dynamics. Our, our master should be Jesus Christ. And if we are allowing him to master us and if we are in intimate relationship with him, our emotions will be spirit-led. Our time will be managed in a way that still allows us to participate in a variety of areas of freedom, including the use of technology. Our behavior will be modified so that the spirit of God is producing spirit of the fruit instead of fruit of the flesh and our relationship dynamics will be impacted because if I am in love with the Savior, I'll be in love with the people around me. And relationship dynamics assumes you and I are spending time with other people. In preparing for this time of study, I've read a bunch of different books, and most of the books are in relationship to the perils of technology and online presence, things like uh, risky behaviors online, as well as uh, um, looking at things that should not be looked at because they're coming from a Christian perspective. But all of the books also addressed time in that our technology use begins to overwhelm our time, and the minute it overwhelms our time, the first thing that suffers is our relationship with the Lord, and the second thing is the relationship with the people around us that love us. Pretty intense, huh? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, it says, All things are lawful. It seems like he wants us to get a point, the Apostle Paul does. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. So we're asking that question, is it profitable for me? All things are lawful, but not all things edify. That term edify is a really important term. It's a term that is about building up. Does it edify me? Does it build me up? And remember, we are also saved for the, for the benefit of others, the body of Christ. So how does it edify me as I seek to edify the body of Christ in the form of people around me that is about community again? How does this edify them? On a few occasions... People have called with concerns, sometimes um, a little late in the evening, not knowing how to respond to what they saw a, a close friend of theirs post something online. Someone, a friend of mine, posted this online, and I don't know what to say or do to him or her because uh, it, it's hurtful, it's inappropriate, the use of terms, and, and, and there's a concern th of whether or not they could even approach that individual because of what they posted on Facebook and the messages there. What can I share with that person? And I go, well, wh why does that concern you? What is the thing that you're, well, it doesn't, you know, they're not building people up. They're, they're kind of gossiping and, and they're saying negative things and they're not using that bad words, but so you're, you're saying 
I'm asking you the question, is it edifying the people around them that they're interacting with? Well, no. Where can we find that in Scripture? Okay. Now let me ask you a question. What's your use of technology in Facebook like? And that's a good principle for us and our kids in our homes too. Today we're going to talk about how to have a family technology agreement. But before we as parents or as adults can ever address that, we've got to address that issue with ourselves first. How do you and I as adults and parents, grandparents, not a grandparent yet, but I'm looking forward to it. How do I use technology? How do the kids observe my use of technology? And so when these individuals have come with me because they've seen, some, they've seen something online hurtful, they want to say they've got, they're trying to develop the courage. I take them to Scripture. I describe what it is that they are, are saying is bothering them and how to approach someone in a gentle way. I ask them to pray about it first before they confront the individual. And then I ask them, how are you doing in the area of technology? Because most of us are not going to be receptive to biblical confrontation if the individual that's confronting us jumps right into the same type of behavior. And I found that that is a principle that not only applies in the use of our phones, our email, our chats, and our postings, but applies to all of our social relationships within the church and even outside the church. One of the examples of that is in one of the books I was reading that they are even pointing to um, corporations, non-believing corporations, now beginning to set up very what it seems like extreme and conservative expectations for their employees, not just when they're working, but even on off hours. People in high positions are losing their jobs because of now they realize it's getting carried away. And that's really interesting to me because if the world is even expressing that we have to have boundaries and this is problematic that people are losing their jobs, we as believers should understand that because we are representing Jesus Christ, that we should on our own desire to have a great testimony with the people around us. What also it says here in verses 31 and 33, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, all to the glory of God, give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many so that they may be saved. So here are some more personal questions. Does my digital presence build me and my relationship with Jesus up? Does my digital presence build others up in Jesus or can it potentially cause them to stumble? And there's a point where we as believers need to accept the responsibility that comes with being children of God and representing the Savior who is Jesus Christ. Personal question. Before I send a text, tweet, post a picture, or like someone else's content, does this bring glory to God? Okay, two final thoughts. Is it my desire to bring glory to God? Because you and I would have to ask that first. Do you and I desire to bring glory to God in everything that I do and everything that I'm about? And does my digital testimony point others toward Christ? And if you and I will take the word of God and apply it and pray over it and begin to apply these questions to our life. It'll help us now in our journey of how we use technology that has been given to us that can be used in many good ways for many good things, but can also be used to crush, not edify, discourage, not bring glory to God, but to destroy our testimony, and then to promote those things out on the internet and everywhere else. So, I know many of you have sent some questions as well, and I'm going to have a team of people that are going to come up with me. And so Pastor Matt, Pastor Justin, and Laura, we've all been uh, working together these last few weeks, and I'd like to start off with that as the foundation of the topic that we're talking about. And even one of you sent a wonderful question, and it was, how do we promote a healthy view of technology without be becoming a legalist? Well, I think that 
um, one of the things that I would first go to is I would go to the scriptures. And I would see that in the scriptures, rules and regulations on their own will not produce true purity, will not produce true holiness. Um, and so there is um, a need for us as especially parents and leaders to, as we are thinking through these topics, begin to come up with a strategy of how to communicate with our kids, our, 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 our moms and dads, people in our community of faith, on how can we um, keep each other accountable, hold each other accountable, but also how can we set good boundaries that are self-imposed rather than rules because we've fallen into sin and temptation, okay? And so that was a really good question. And so I'd ask you all, how do we promote a healthy view of technology without becoming a legalist? Yeah, I think we're on. There we go. All right. Um, Is there one over here? Uh, I'm just going to take a swing at this. Are you looking for another microphone mm -hmm. up there? I think there's one. Okay. All right. Um, just a reminder of the panel. So um, we have Matt up here who helps us with addictions, which I think this will be <laughs> a great uh, introduction or segue to spending extra time with Matt later on. Uh, Carl and Laura help us out with counseling. We have a couple of guys that are uh, also helping field questions down here, our, uh, our geek squad that uh, will be helping not only if you have uh, more questions on the site, I don't know if we highlighted that, but you can go on there, see the questions that are already on there, like those, or add another question during this time. They'll be monitoring what's going on in the room. Uh, but we would love to answer your questions. And uh, so once again, you were asking. How do we address the damage done to family relationships? Oh, wait, that was a different question. Yeah. How do we promote a healthy view of technology without becoming a legalist? I, I think if, if I could just touch on a couple of things and then uh, hand it off uh, to you guys. Well, one of the questions about a healthy view of technology um, is what is it that I'm supposed to be focusing on? So when we look at technology, uh, technology is coming into our space. I hope you noticed that Carl was messing around and that actually wasn't part of his uh, normal interaction to have his phone up here and be answering the phone and having that. He was trying to give you an illustration of the fact that it can interrupt a flow of thought. Um, you only will answer your phone in the presence of another person if what that person is saying is not important. All right? It's not really a central discussion. You're going to answer your phone in front of people. You're going to have it sitting on the table. Uh, have you ever noticed the person who in the middle of a meeting will set their, ta their phone on the table, but they'll put it on vibrate, right? Because you're that important. That's what Carl is mentioning there. And then it's going off in the middle, and they're saying, well, that's just because I'm so important, right? So I'm still saying, no, no, I won't answer that. Why not shut it off and hide it? Because we like the feeling of being important. We want other people in the room to know that we're important, and there is something that triggers in us, um, a great desire to feel like we're connected to others outside of the room. Um, the, the, I think the appropriate term is dopamine. Uh, there is a trigger that happens the moment uh, that somebody sends us a text, uh, the minute that somebody likes something we have on Facebook, our name comes up, we get tagged on something. We want to know about that right away. They used to call that info snacking, right? Where every few moments you'd check out of a conversation or whatever somebody else was saying and look at something that actually interested you. You are, by definition, looking at something that is more interesting to you, saying to the person you're sitting across from, you're not that interesting to me, all right? You're sending a signal to the rest of the room. The Lord made us for connections, and he made us for face-to-face -face connections. And one of the biggest battles that we see in Scripture is, is that we as humans, the moment that sin happens, we run away from connection. So we will even do that in the room. So what is an appropriate relationship with technology? One of the first things I would ask is, is it getting in the way of your relationships that are right there in front of you? Would the people in the room feel like you uh, are giving them undivided attention, that you're investing in them? Understanding that every single relationship is work. Why would you give that, a, uh, give that away? So I think that's, that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think there's a lot that we could say on that. Mm -hmm. um, but that one is the one that is a real test for me. So, Matt? 
Hello? All right. So here's what I was thinking when, when this question got asked is, if we make this about relationship and not religion, we will avoid legalism. Because ultimately, in Ephesians chapter 5, it says mm -hmm. for us to have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, rather to expose them. Is that legalism? Or is that trying to sustain a, a relationship with the Lord that's, that's healthy? When it says finding out what's acceptable to the Lord. If you guys want a really great short memory verse, verse 10 of Ephesians 5, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That's not legalism. That's a desire to, to please the living God who created us, who sacrificed his son, and ultimately paid the price for us to be in his presence with his son's blood. And in the power of the resurrection to live that out. And so the difference between relationship and legalism is what we're after here. Because religion would say do, and, and that relationship says done. So ultimately, if I'm, if I'm saying, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the most of your time for the days are evil, so then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's mm -hmm. also in Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. Mm -hmm. That's not legalism. That's relationship. And so hopefully that answers that question, because ultimately anything we look at, technology or anything else, it's, it's about how, how close am I to God, how close do I want to be to God, and that's not legalism. That's me desiring to please the living God because of what he's done for me to have a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can I do a quick one? Can you recommend a good website to block pornography and other illicit technologies? There's a few good ones out there. I think the one that we've most recommended has been Covenant Eyes. Yeah, Covenant Eyes is a website uh, a, a that will help and can go on your phone, can go on your computers at home, and ultimately what it will do is it will be a filter for you, but it also can set you up, uh, or, or whoever up, with, uh, with a report that will go back to an accountability partner that can see everywhere you've been, and so ultimately somebody's there to be able to check in with you that loves you, that, that you know, anywhere I go, this is going to send um, a, a, a list of where I've been online, it, and it's very helpful, and they've got great tools and a great website that, you know, they have articles and other things that you can be about, but it is a very good accountability mm -hmm. website mm -hmm. and a filter. And that's good for both men and women. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. I, I think there's some other websites out there, and you have to do your own research on that, but there are also um, other tools out there that will monitor how much time you're spending. Mm -hmm. So you can actually find them that will tell you how much screen time that you are using. They'll be able to monitor your screen time and just give you a helpful reminder. Uh, as is with any addiction, we, we won't notice it. And, and I want to use that term addiction. Does that offend anybody in the room? All right. The, the first battle with addiction is recognizing that you have a problem. Okay. So we struggle with recognizing that we have a problem. But when you talk about screen time and some of that uh, disconnect that happens with the people that are around you, uh, you've got to know how much time you're actually spending on that. And so that's a good way to, to monitor. And there's all kinds of uh, companies uh, that have those programs. Honestly, the hardest part about that is the discipline of, of kind of setting your own standards. What is it that uh, you're going to restrict yourself to? And um, uh, I think that uh, Colossians chapter 2 says that there's a problem we as men and women have, and that is that we, con we instantly go to rules, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which have the appearance of wisdom in self-made, a basement of the flesh. We try to say, don't do this, uh, and you'll be healthy. The question in Scripture, like Matt was saying, is not what are you running from, but what are you running to? Are you spending more time with the Lord? So just stopping the phone is not going to help you. There's something that you are uh, filling up there. What is it that is occupying your time and causing that gravitational pull in your life? What is it that you're being pulled towards? Uh, and you've got to be able to fill up that time that uh, you're info snacking or focused on other stuff with godly pursuits or pursuits God would appreciate. So you've mentioned time a couple of different times. Yeah. So how many minutes a day is the like holy limit? Because you know, there was a question in here about a genuine question about um, how much time is good time to access, um, you know, media and stuff. And so how do, how do we know as adults or even with our kids how much time is, is, is a good amount of time? 665 minutes is right on the hairy edge of too much. <laughs> One minute more, and it's really bad. So. <laughs> 
No, I, I don't believe that there is an actual time limit. You're going to have to check that. Uh, for some folks, the moment they start snacking on that, it just cascades. One mm -hmm. minute is too many. Mm -hmm. For other people, they can, they can leave technology behind. And it's other pursuits, actually, that get them in trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, the issue is, what are, what are you focusing on? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it, I mean, if it's just two or three minutes that gets you off into a thought trail that loses you for the rest of the day, day then those two minutes are too many. I think a good way of being able to um, kind of come to a consensus, um, especially within the family unit, is um, like we talked about earlier, is having that conversation. And, and Pastor Justin, I think you had mentioned this in one of our, our meetings. Um, is there any area in which um, someone else in the family couldn't put their finger on? And in other words, could, you know, do I feel like I have an, an openness to be able to tell Carl, hey, babe, you've been on the phone a lot this last couple days and, and I need you to be more present. So working on having good communication so that Carl and I have already had that discussion because there may be weeks or, or seasons where um, there's good justification for more phone activity uh, for one member of the family. But that also has to always be taken into consideration with, with how does that affect then the kids, the, the spouse? Um, how is that, uh, how's that affecting everybody and different personalities um, and different times of life? And so, so it's more about having that communication and creating space so that when we can approach each other and, and we're able to do that, we have language that already um, has opened up that conversation. And then um, we're continuing, it's fluid. You, we would be having that conversation all the time so that there's not areas that we can't go and touch on um, in which another person's like, whoa, 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 whoa you, you, you don't have a right to touch that. And so developing that for ourselves uh, as, a, as a husband and wife, mom and dad, and then extending that to the kids, as opposed to having one set limit. Okay, everybody can only do two hours. Um, and, and maybe there's a season that would, that would be appropriate, but ultimately you want it to be self-monitored um, internally because each person's pursuing uh, Christ first, and then that's being lived out naturally mm -hmm. as they handle their use of technology. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that goes into uh, a good segue, which is the question was asked is, when's the right time to introduce phones or tablets to children? Wh what are your thoughts about that, guys? When's the right time to introduce phones or tablets to children? Never. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a joke. I, I would say this, James chapter 1 says, pray for wisdom, mm -hmm. God will give it to you generously, mm -hmm. and then don't doubt him. Mm -hmm. And where do you find wisdom? Right here. So when you ask for wisdom over these things, I'm going to say this, it may be that you're working with a child and you're in a situation where they need to have a phone based off of their circumstances. I don't know. I mean, but we have to ask for wisdom and then don't doubt God when he gives us that wisdom and don't go back on the wisdom that he's given us. Don't doubt his word. Don't give in to something that you would say, well, that's contrary to what originally I knew was going to be wise. Now I'm giving in. That's not what we want either. And so ultimately, it's going to be you're going to know your kids. Ask for wisdom. You know, God will give it to you generously. And then don't doubt him. Because and then as far as going back to the time limit thing, I mean, we have, you know, grown men that will spend time, you know, five hours playing video games. Um, and, and ultimately, it's ask for wisdom and then don't doubt. And if God says to a grown man playing five hours of video games because he's up so late he's getting grumpy, right? You brought that up. And, and in your heart you know, I've got to do something about this, then run to the throne of grace and do something about it and ask for wisdom as to what is appropriate and then run with the wisdom he gives you from his word. But ultimately, I think that's the same principle then for the, for the children too. Yeah, I, I, I think that we're in a unique generation right now because earlier generations did not have to deal with this question the way that we do. Mm -hmm. uh, 2012 is the magic year uh, where our entire nation crossed a threshold. The majority of Americans at that point had a smartphone. They had access to this technology and were actively using it. It went past 70 percent. 2012, it's also the year uh, that the suicide rate went up. Uh, that depression among teens went to uh, uh, um, a high, high number and has stayed there, and all of it has been traced 
to focused on tech, uh, mm -hmm. the focus on technology and what it's done to our brains and the way that we think. So would we do things differently knowing what we know now if we were going back to 2012? I think we would. Mm -hmm. That's the, the honest part. Even in our own home, we've had that discussion that would we handle things differently? When's the right time to introduce that technology? Uh, my opinion would be whenever you hand out that technology, it's going to be with the idea that that comes with a heightened sense of parenting and connection as a family. Um, that, that we don't just use that as a babysitter, uh, that it will also be coming alongside the ability to know that this, this could harm as much as be useful. I, hey, I want to keep them entertained or quiet for a moment. Well, here's also some things that come along with that. And I think we're aware now of some stuff that we weren't aware of six years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I, and, and they really have said when uh, you have 60% of those committing suicide in the nation right now showing no signs uh, no symptomology that they would normally give off that they were going to commit suicide. They're attaching that to our addiction to technology. We're rewiring our brains in a way that even our culture has become so separated from each other, we're not noticing when somebody else is hurting. That's a technology issue. So um, I think that we need to actually do more work as believers about what needs to come alongside technology, just like you would with anything else that's in the home. Um, uh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't use cutlery at the table, but you don't just hand your kid a knife and say, go at it, <laughs> all right? You gotta teach them a little bit not to poke it in the eyeball. <laughs> That's I helpful. I just wanna highlight something that you said. I, I think technology can't replace parenting, and you said something that was really important. Um, when we do use technology, it should come with a heightened sense of parenting. In other words, um, it shouldn't be a, a distraction or, or, hey, I'm busy doing this, so you just go you know, use technology, um, but but a sense of being intentional about it. Um, and that can make a big difference. And so just to, to highlight that point, because I think that piece is a really good uh, rule of thumb, just to mm -hmm. understand every time I hand my child technology, mm -hmm. it, it can't replace parenting. Mm -hmm. It should require more parenting, mm -hmm. um, insight, open discussion, and, um, and it should move us in a more connected relationship. And so if it's not meeting those goals, then we'd have to ask ourselves, then, then, then this potentially is something that can be destructive um, for my relationship with my child and for my child. So that was a great point. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the gauges I think that I use when I think of Laura and I parenting our kids through, I'm gonna say this second half, if you're talking about 2012, which is what the literature is talking about. So in these years now that we've had it more present is as I'm parenting my kids, if, if I want to do relationship with them, how do they respond? Whether it's a video game or phone. And if, if, if they have, if I've developed and if Laura and I have really developed relationship with them, um, we haven't had a power struggle over the use of technology. If you're running into that with your kids, rather than just immediately making technology the battle, I would probably take a step back or two as parents, as, as mentors, as grandparents, and say, what is it that I can build into the relationship um, that will encourage them to want to interact, rather than immediately just going to the battle over the phone or the tablet now? And what a lot of the literature is saying, since we didn't know what was going to happen, here we are, and now families are having a really hard time reversing. Because now it's the expectation that at kindergarten you have a phone, and it's the brand new iPhone. You know, our culture is having a difficult time reversing now and saying, well, maybe kindergarten's too early. You know? So, so then it's okay as families to also go, you know what, we need to rethink this. And we're going to have a helpful tool that really is more, uh, it's called the Family Technology Agreement that you could all pick up in the back. Um, and there's neat questions to ask for adults or for uh, parents and kids. But really, more than a, an agreement, it's, it's a process that you as adults and as families are talking about this. And what Laura was saying that really stuck out to me is if in our parenting, we are thinking that the use of technology is making it easier on us, then you've got it wrong already. 
because actually it'll require more. Okay, you said that the cutlery is a wonderful example. I don't just hand hand a steak knife. When they're little, I cut their food up for them, right? Don't we do that as responsible parents? We cut up, especially if they're eating a nice piece of meat, you know, and we're going to cut it up, and then we'll even give them little bites, right? Because we... And then we eventually say, okay, this is how you do it. And with your kids, you might even take their hand with, and then show them. And, and I want to do it, Dad. And they're still kind of awkward with it. And you're holding their hand. And, you're, and they're so happy to be able to master the use of that. Think about that. That's how it happened in our home. And then eventually, I can do it on my own now. But it was a process of bringing something that was a useful tool that also had danger involved. It goes the same with lighter. Every kid wants to light the charcoal, you know, the, the lamp when you're going to go camping. And maybe you're guiding with the hand at first before you give them the lighter and say, go on, just light it. Woof. No eyebrows, you know. You know, we don't, we, we don't do that as responsible parents with those types of things that can burn us or cut us. So with technology, I think that's really important as well. It's going to require us to be really active. Yeah, I, I think... Uh the thing that has struck me as we were talking about this uh, and when we compare it to addictions and some of the other things that people face, uh, when you think about your own experience with a phone or with technology, think about your morning, think about your afternoon, think about your evening. Would your morning be incomplete without your phone? In other words, would you struggle uh, feeling like set, feeling settled if your phone uh, wasn't in your presence? Uh, in the evening, would you struggle going to sleep if you didn't have your phone? Uh, that's uh, one of the, the key questions. It's not just your phone. Uh, with addictions, we think about that with anything. Put whatever the substance is or whatever you're participating in. Do I feel like there's a hole or there's something missing in this moment because that thing that's an addiction isn't in my presence. Uh, well, the phone is just the w- thing that, that's entering into that. And if you can't, set that aside. Um, I mean, we've in, even instituted that in our staff meetings and stuff like that. Hey, put the phones away. Don't bring them into the meeting or stick them in a box. Uh, we've tried that one time. Oh, it was really Two times it was as funny. The, uh, <laughs> as the phones are all going off okay. in the back of the room. So just for, for, I, it did, the thought had occurred to me to put boxes outside in the foyer and have you all deposit your, your devices before you came in. How would you have responded? How would you have responded, assuming we had tags so that you knew which one was yours? But I'm sure been, they've been deba- bedazzled enough to know that you could recognize it. But, you know, but I, I mean, really, we are to that point with how would you feel if I had asked you to do that? And Justin did do for a couple of our staff meetings, not because we've abused the, the use of, of phones, but just to make a point and to take time to develop as a staff un, 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 unhindered. And yes, one person had a phone in case there was a real emergency. And in our home, a real emergency has to have blood. So, you know, it's like, that's not really an emergency, you know. <laughs> it has to be serious, okay? Too many kids, you know, that's the... Or the birth of dogs. Or the birth of dogs, yes. Yeah, that's, that's big. Yeah, I recently left dinner because of the birth of my puppies. The, uh, j- just to really quick here, <laughs> as I go back to Ephesians 5, I'm just going to encourage everybody to go back and read in Ephesians 5. Because this whole concept of what we're bringing up, it is about relationship. Relationship with our kids, relationship with our spouse, relationship with our friends, relationship with God. This is about relationship and what, gets, what hinders relationship. And I really do believe as we're sharing these things, if we ask for wisdom and we look at God's word and you're hearing these things that, that, that are, that are going to be brought up, that literally we will, uh, we will awake, O sleeper, you know, because this, this culture is trying to make us go to sleep and to not know what wisdom really looks like with regards to technology. To, 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 to get away from the truth that there's things sneaking up on us that are taking our attention and, and are destroying families. And I, I do see that as we're asking for it, he'll give it to us Will we get in his word and really see what he has to say about it. I think Ephesians 5 is a great place to go look at that. I, I think the question that might be in the room too, Matt, what, what if all of a sudden you're coming to an awareness 
and you're maybe a little nervous to share with your family, okay, I think I got a problem here. Mm-hmm. How do I begin to rewire my brain so that I don't need this as much? What's the process that you would have them start going to? If we're talking about technology as the process, I do think you have to go to somebody and say to them, I'm struggling, I need help. Okay, and if that's, if that's your spouse or if that's somebody at church, if that's myself or my wife or somebody and say, I'm a, this is an addiction and it is an addiction. In, in, in the midst of this, it is firing off dopamine and, and that's been proven, that's scientific. It, people are getting addicted to even just hearing their phone click and then they're, they're here, and it's that anticipation, 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 click, dopamine. That's what's happening. Somebody, you gotta go to somebody and say, I'm struggling, I need help. And then in the midst of that, uh, this whole thing that we're gonna be, this is really strategies that, that are coming up here, strategies, it's an agreement, we're looking at, but, but laying out a, a path, laying out a strategy. If you struggle with your phone at night, then what should you do with your phone at night? Turn it off. Use an alarm clock, right? But, but in the midst of that, that, I don't know about you guys, but man, I, I come from like an addictive, like I grew up in addiction, and so you give me a video game, I wanna master it, you could see me, so I brought that up for a reason, like that's something I just don't do, like I just don't. Um, and, and in the midst of this too, I take my phone and I've gotta put it out in the living room, plug it in to be, to be charging, and I go to bed without it. Like I can't, because what? There's something calling to me. What if there's something I need to know right now? <laughs> I won't know unless I know. You know. I've got to start setting up, you know. Yeah, I've got to start <laughs> setting up a strategy to put it in a place, and because I've opened up to somebody, they're going to hold me accountable to put it in a place that it's not going to be there running my evening. Or turn it off when I'm having a conversation with somebody. I've got to just physically go and turn it off and stick in my pocket and not have it vibrating, not having doing anything, and focus on the person in front of me. I have to do that. I'm wired to have to set strategies that way. I hope that's helpful. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the reasons I lead the Addictions Victory Group, right? Can I? There you go. <laughs> that's good. Hey, I want to I wanna see if I can combine two questions together. And so it's in relation to if we, how do we address this topic if there's already been damage to a family or another person presented it this way? Um, how do we address um, if technology, if it's become sinful, what, what do we do? So someone in our life um, has fallen into this. How do we address that issue? And, and when we say sinful, I mean, there's all kinds of sinful uses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not just talking about probably at that point that it's taken over our time mm-hmm. uh, or gathering our mind, but we could be looking at pornography or involved in uh, carnal discussions uh, or whatever it would be which mm-hmm. happened. Um, those illicit relationships quite often get formed in the dark on a, you know, a website or something. Um, I, I think that those are important. Th- I, I do think we, we've had an opportunity at each one of these to say we have tailor-made oper- uh, uh, options here uh, at the church, especially counseling. And, and what I would really uh, invite people to do, if you have been hurt or wounded, I'm not sure that a one-size-fits-all answer is really going to be helpful to you. Um, I do believe coming in, sitting down, and, and getting counseling with what does it mean to be hurt, because just having somebody in your family viewing pornography, well, well, we can help them with that, but the wounds to the relationship, all of the other ways that that can damage that person, the relationships and others around, there's a lot of... Um, pieces to that that we would like to help you unpack. Um, but I think the thing that you have to start with, and, and uh, it may not be pornography, even it can just be the time, uh, but once you begin to damage relationships, you stop listening to the people around you and their input. So you won't listen to them when they say, uh, dude, you're spending too much time on that phone. Right. You just won't listen. And that's the time where you've got to find some way to break in. I think you have to be willing to have that first discussion that is hurtful, uh, with the idea that you have to know where you are headed. There's an old uh, song that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And what does it say? And the things of earth will grow strangely strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If you are focused just on the phone or just on the problem or just, it's the old classic problem of right now, everybody, if you closed your eyes, don't think about a pink elephant, right? Well, well, you can't help it. The moment that I say don't think about it, you're thinking about a pink elephant, and it's stuck inside your mind. 
It's the same thing. Unless you are running to something far more appealing, and you've got to run to Christ, unless you fill up with Christ or godly activities, those things won't dissipate, but they will grow strangely dim. You will find yes. that that stuff begins to lose its grasp as the glory of Christ gets brighter. So when you come into that, cons- that, that discussion, it shouldn't just be with a hammer. It should be, can I walk with Amen. you towards the Lord? I love you too much to let this sit. And you keep going towards the Lord, but it's got to be with grace. Yeah. So that's where I would start the discussion. Mm-hmm. And then we can get help for some of the other wounds. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I'd share on that, too, is that to have hope, not, not, ju- not just believe that hope's out there fluttering around somewhere for you to grab, but have great hope that the gospel does penetrate hearts and minds, even of a believer who slipped into the trap of, let's say it, pornography, like you said, let's just call it. If there's a man or a woman, by the way, and that that tragically in our culture now, it's both, um, that ultimately it's not just that maybe there's hope. No, there's great hope that the gospel does penetrate as they truly come to the foot of the cross, as they truly come to Christ, that his blood does cleanse and that he washes clean. When David cried out, cleanse me, O Lord, and I'll be clean. Renew the right spirit within me. Give me a right heart, Lord. As you go to Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, David, who fell with Bathsheba, right, because he saw pornography from the rooftop, right? And then he started acting on it. And what did God do? He intervened, and, and he restored him. But ultimately, it hurt. Like you say, there's a hurt. There's a, Nathan needed to come and confront him and wake him up. And ultimately, there was consequences in that. But God never left him nor forsook him. And so, and the same thing, he did the same thing for Bathsheba too, by the way. He never left her mm-hmm. nor forsook her. And we got Solomon. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in that, we go, wow, there's a great mystery there. Mm-hmm. The key is to have great hope, but somebody's got to, you know, in that, there are people being set free from these addictions to their phones, their laptops, whatever it is. They're, they're being set free. It's happening on Monday nights. It's because they're dragging it into the light. They're calling sin, sin. And then they're going to 1 John and believing what it says. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and righteous to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. But we got to keep reading. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is our propitiation, our full payment for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the whole world. That's full payment. That's what we've got to run to. That's what we've got to count on, that hope, and take people right to the throne of grace. And there's great help here at this church for that. Mm-hmm. There was a question that asked, does the Bible have anything to say about technology? I think indirectly, just anything that is created, you know, um, anything that's created can become an idol to us. Uh, and so is there a smartphone in the Bible? No. But we do see, uh, as one example, Exodus chapter 32 that Pastor Justin had brought up earlier today, where Moses is up on the mountain and he's having a relationship with God and the people are waiting and he took too long. So, in their perspective, he took too long. So they begin to, and it doesn't just say they took their gold earrings out. They tore, it says there. So it says they're men, women, and children. So apparently at that time, they're men and women and children had, and it says there, it's very clear, had earrings in their ears, um, and then they tore them out. Rip. And then they threw them in a big pile, and they melted it down, and they created the golden calf. So I guess if they didn't have that gold, they couldn't have produced the golden calf. So they should throw away all their earrings, right? Or... Is it because they sought worship, which ended up being a false worship, but seemed good to them at that point, and then they exchanged the worship of the true God because it just wasn't quite working out the way they thought it should. And then they took what was created, gold, melted it down, made it into a golden calf, and then they said, this is now our God. And what did they name it? Yeah, they named it Yahweh. Mm-hmm. They put God's name on sin. And so I think that in principle, we see many times that we, made in God's image, are creative beings. Okay? God is creative. Obviously, look around. But we need to create from the things that have already been created by God. And one of the things in our day and age is that intelligent people have been able to come up with a microprocessor that's fast, that can store all of these images. Think about it. 
My first computer only had 32 megabytes, megabytes of storage on it. Okay? And so all of your iPhones at least have 8 gigs, which is a huge amount of memory. And in just these 12 years, you know, these 18 years, technology has gone like this. But this tendency to take our eyes off of God and to worship the things made by hands has been around as part of the human condition from the very beginning. And can I add something about yes, technology? Yes, please you do. You and I talked about this mm-hmm. a while back. If you go to Revelation chapter 11, mm-hmm. two witnesses come during the tribulation, and they begin to tell the world about how messed up it is, and literally to the point where they're calling down fire from heaven, and, and they put them to death in the streets. And it says here in chapter, not, or chapter 11, verse 9, those from the peoples and the tribes and the tongues and the nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their bodies to be laid in a tomb. Goes on to say that literally they're watching them, the world is, and they rejoice and celebrate and they send gifts to one another because the two prophets that who, who had tormented them, you know, had perished. I want you to think about technology. I want you to think about how you could anywhere in the world see three, two dead people in, the, in Jerusalem and celebrate and send gifts to one another from all around the world. Only with technology. When we, we start talking about, now I'm not saying that, that, saying that that's technology. I'm just saying, wow, we kind of live in an era where the whole world could watch two people die in the streets of Jerusalem and celebrate and send gifts to one another with a little, you know, what? I'll just Google that, you know, or whatever. You know, I'm going to send that off. Let's just celebrate. Those two are dead. And that, I mean, when we look at that, yeah, we live in an era where that could happen, right? Could happen. Any t- it's going to happen, by the way. That's really light, Matt. Yeah, you're welcome. That's <laughs> comforting. Mm-hmm. We're we going to wrap up on that? 627. Yeah, um, um, there was a question here. More. Do we have... Yeah. I wanted to make sure that the, the Geek Squad actually got an opportunity to uh, jump in here. Do we have anything that you guys are seeing? Did anything new come up in our little technology? The, okay. There was one question right. at the very end that came up here um, about the blockchain. So let me just address this, and I think it goes along with that. There is going to always be something new under the sun. New in that we think it's new, but it's just the same remanufacturing of another temptation for man. So one thing that we are seeing now, and I didn't even realize this existed until a while back, um, you realize that in all of your browsers, you have an incognito browser option. Does everyone know what an incognito browser option is? Raise your hands if you've never heard that. Okay, an incognito uh, browser option is whatever tool you use to ask a, a, to um, to access the internet. So whether you're using Chrome, whatever you're using on your on your iPads, um, you are leaving a digital footprint that anyone can see eventually if they really want to. And so in my home, I just got a new phone, and Laura and both two of my daughters all have their thumbprints on my phone so that all of them can look at my phone at any time that they want, if they just need to use it, but also because I know now with accountability, my daughters are going to be looking at what I look at. But this incognito feature allows you to go and browse without anyone knowing. So here's what I'm talking about. There's going to be more opportunities for us to think that we can get away with doing things that we know are against the living God and that others around us wouldn't approve of. And so there's a couple of things there. I think that since that's on the horizon, we as parents can't be naive. So we need to be having these discussions with our kids. But if you're struggling with that, it's because it's a heart condition. Okay, we've seen that in Scripture time and time again. I steal something, hide it in my tent, and everyone's searching for it. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't have it. And then it affects people around us and people even die. Okay? So, so to the idea that I'm hiding you know, my incognito use of, of online access, it, it'll catch up to you and it'll be destructive to you and the people around you. And then as parents, I think that's the next phase is that 
we are now realizing that with pornography, online gaming, you know, gambling, okay, chat rooms that are very dangerous. In fact, a few years ago, Salem-Kaiser School District, Salem PD, Marion County Sheriff, Kaiser PD came out with a joint letter. I think most of you that have kids at, in school, and it was basically saying, parents, you have a, a right and a responsibility to set boundaries and limits with your kids, and these things are dangerous. And it listed different settings that are dangerous if there isn't accountability and if there is a naivety. You were talking about the foolish person this morning out of Proverbs. There's also the naive person in Proverbs. And we're, we're not calling you guys to not to have your kids be naive. We're saying have them to understand from God's word what the boundaries are. Have real clear and direct conversations. And gradually, as they are younger and older, then you assess what they're ready to handle because it's out there. And then... We all need to be honest with ourselves and understand that there's nothing incognito from the, from the living God. He, he sees our heart. He sees our activity. And um, it'll be hurtful to us first and then to the people around us. Yeah. And, and in that warning, please know this too, just really quick. If somebody is struggling, whether they're in this room or somebody you know, and, and, and you're going, they need help, I need help, then know this. You're not going to be judged as you come in to get help. Like, like, don't ever confuse conviction with judgment, mm -hmm. okay? In the midst of that, we all are sinners, you know, that have been saved and now we're saints. And so in the midst of that, we've got to go to his word and say, what did he just get done saying? Come to the throne of grace in Hebrews chapter 4, 12 through 16. Get mercy and grace to help in your time of need. Understand that you can confess your sins and you have an advocate with the Father. Hebrews seven twenty five says, who lives to make intercession for you. He's praying for you. So as you're coming in, don't, don't go incognito and say, well, I just can never share this with anybody because I've been struggling. But if I share this, I'm going to get judged and they're going to look at me. No, what we're going to do is say, let's get you help. Mm -hmm. let's, get you, let's get you right. Let's Amen. get your compass right. Let's get your heart right. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. That's a great way to, you know, to offer that all to everyone here. Now, there's a couple of things in your notes. You'll notice that there is a portion uh, of your notes that says wielding digital words. That'd be a great tool to just work through as a couple or as a family. It's from a book that we referenced below. That book um, is uh, in the foyer. You can see there that uh, 12 ways uh, your phone is changing you. And it's just a, a nice book that asks different questions. You know, uh, there's a lot of books like that out there, but it seemed like a very balanced one as we read through it. Also notice that there's an online resource, especially for parents, grandparents, and then young people, young adults, as you are wanting to be more aware of the things that are out there. There's an online resource called the Culture Translator. Um, and every week it sends out like a top, you know, f let's say five list of things to be aware of that's new in technology or online. And so you can go ahead and visit that website and it's free to access that. And then finally, there is uh, copies. There are copies of this, uh, the Family Technology Agreement. We modified it just slightly from the original one, and it's referenced here where we got it, somewhere. Um, it's from the book that we, that we have. Uh, and the reason why we brought this to your attention is that you could work through this just as a tool. There is a place to do signatures if you'd like. And also, if you would like to adapt this to your family. So we're not saying this is the agreement. What we're saying is we could give you the Word document and on your own, in your family, the foundational principles in our homes here are all the same, but we might handle our kids and their use of technology slightly differently with the boundaries we set up, the rules that we have, you know, and so you can ask um, our front office to email that to you. So this could be in a digital format that then you could modify and make it up. And what I would do is I would even sit down with my kids and have them be included in making it up because we could reason with them and say, hey, why would this be a good rule? Not just for you, but for us. Why would this be a good boundary? And so this could be a helpful tool. At minimum, it's so that you'll have discussion or you could actually have an agreement with your kids. And hopefully that tool will be something that will be of value to you. There's a whole bunch of paper copies out in the foyer, and we can get a digital version if you'd like as well. There we go.
So uh, what, what I'd like to do is just a practical thing. This is uh, striking me right now. Um, let, let's all bow our heads. Close our eyes, and, and I just want you to think about your own relationship to what we've been talking about. Your own focus on technology, your phone, your iPad, your computer, your television, whatever it would be. And I want you to answer not for your kids, not for your spouse, just for you. Uh, Carl actually referenced a story of Aiken. Uh, he had taken something and was participating in something he knew he wasn't supposed to be, hidden it in his tent. Nobody else knew, uh, but the Lord knew. And the Lord was the one that reached in and said, I'm going to take care of this. If you're under conviction and you said, you know what, I, I know that I've got to address some things that relate to my use of technology, just raise your hand right now. If you are under conviction at any point this evening, all right? Yeah, I see your hands. Okay. Um, thank you for those. Here's what I'm going to say. I, I think for every hand that's raised, we have one or two more that would be there, but we have quite a few folks that are under conviction. Let's do be committed to these two things. First of all, if somebody today tells you, I think I've got a trouble in this area, pray with them and lead with grace. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're taking them before the Lord and you're not beating them up over it. But secondly, if you are under conviction, whether you raised your hand or it's just in your heart, do not <coughs> step out of here and go back <coughs> into the same old life. Don't go back. Let me pray for you and uh, we'll go. Father, we ask you now um, that, that you would help. And I ask specifically for those brave enough to raise their hands. Father, that you would give them the ability uh, to take corrective action, that your spirit would so fill them up that it presses out all other loves, that all those other things that would uh, fill them up and create drama and separate them from your very best, uh, that, Father, those things would fall away. Um, that they would grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. We pray you'd fill us. Help us also, Father, with those that may come to us and say, you know what, I think I'm struggling here. Will you hold me accountable? Help us to be those that lead with grace, not to put a bunch of rules in somebody else's life uh, or to become an authoritarian, but to take them to you, understanding that uh, no rule can make somebody clean, uh, only conviction from the Spirit and yielding to you and your very best. So, Father, I pray that you would help us uh, to be those that encourage, that bear one another's burdens and encourage each other, stir one another up to love and good deeds so that we're focused on you more than we're focused on ourself and on our own uh, distractions. Help us as a congregation to live godly lives and help us to do this part, technology, well in our families and to give each other grace to work through it uh, in an appropriate way. We ask for your guidance and wisdom in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for being here uh, this evening. It's been uh, a blessing to be able to have these Q&A times. We'll do them again sometime in the future. Uh, but we don't want uh, the questions to just end tonight. So if you have other questions or there are some that you didn't feel comfortable asking, you want to ask them later, we would encourage you to do that at any time. We'll be available. So Thanks for being here. You're dismissed. All right, thanks.